Hello, 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 and welcome back to an all-new episode of The Darius Show. For today's episode, we are going to be talking about a series that has had multiple iterations spanning decades. This franchise has been near and dear to me since I was a child, and today I am excited to discuss the newest installment of The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to be specific. I have always loved this franchise, the Turtles characters. For some reason, I've just always uh, hung on to them since I was a small child. And uh, watching every iteration, whether that be movies, live action, cartoon series, what have you, I have always enjoyed seeing the different takes that people have to take on it. And this series was no exception. As a matter of fact, this was my favorite iteration of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let's not waste any more time. Let's roll the intro and get right into it. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. For anyone who's ever been a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise, at first glance, this series, the most recent iteration of it, is really jarring. And I think on paper, it actually seems like it's disrespecting the source material or that it's just so radically different that it's really not a true successor to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles title. I remember when the pilot for this series aired probably about four or five years ago. I can't remember exactly when, but I remember that it was a spectacle to say the least. Uh, It's called Mystic Mayhem. It's the first episode of the series. I just remember it being released a while before the rest of the series had actually aired. And What they do in this episode is immediately establish a radically different tone. It's especially in those early episodes of the first season, its focus is on humor and like zany cartoon gags and comedy. They also introduce this level of mysticism that hasn't existed quite to this extent in the previous iterations of the Turtles series. And, you know, they even play, they even switch up the roles that the different Turtles have within the group. The first one being the fact that Raphael is the go to leader of this team. Whereas in every other iteration, Raphael has desired to be the leader, but it's always been Leonardo who has been like the definitive leader of the team. So establishing this as a completely different tone and even treating Splinter, their master Splinter, as a complete joke in the first few episodes, especially in that pilot. On paper, I see why a lot of people would overlook this series or think that it just wasn't it didn't have much to offer. That being said, I'm so happy that I gave this series another chance. I had interest in it before, mainly for its animation and for its admittedly some good humor, Uh, but I I didn't really pay it any attention. It's been years since I've timed in on that, and now that I saw that it was on Netflix, I thought this was a great time to revisit the series. I'm so happy that I did. This series has so much charm, and yes, it does take a lot of liberties with the lore of the characters. As a matter of fact, it seems like an expressed interest of the series to make as many changes to the source material as possible while still honoring where the turtles came from uh repeating those same kind of story beats that are somewhat quintessential to a quintessential to an overall turtles story one thing that was really interesting is how they peppered out surprises throughout the series you know you would be under the assumption that they're choosing not to have a shredder in the series or uh certain characters won't show up like casey jones and uh, it takes you all the way to the very end, and it still it still rings almost every single beat that you thought that they had abandoned uh, while watching this series. One thing that does stick out, though, is there's no Rocksteady or Bebop. In my opinion, those are quintessential Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle characters. 
uh, foes for them to have. I feel like they would fit really well in this universe as well. So I do think it's an odd choice not to include those characters. That being said, there is a hog character and a hippo character. So I suppose that that could be what they're paying homage to, but the soul of those characters and the way that they interact together certainly doesn't make that feel clear. But for now, what I want to do is actually go character from character and discuss how their character is presented in the series and how that is different than previous iterations of that character and how overall I feel like it uh, lends itself to uh, carrying on the spiritual successor of the series in such a great way. I want to start with Raphael because like I said, he is the biggest change in the series. Uh, In the past, he's always been the hothead of the group and he's always expressed interest in wanting to be the leader. He's always had problems following under Leonardo's uh, tutelage and whatnot. But in this series, he's kind of a completely different character. I will say he's given the largest change to character treatment possible. He is he's the fearless leader of the group. He is the one that calls the shots. And I think that it's displayed often that he has the most firm sense of uh, moral justice and and that and for that reason he always makes the best decisions but he certainly is not the smartest of the group obviously that honor goes to donatello but even leonardo uh, leo is what we'll just refer to him as in the series even leo is shown to have more uh knowledge and strategy potential than Raphael. that being said they still look to him as the leader and they treat him like that throughout the series i really fell in love with Raphael's character he's always been my least favorite turtle in other iterations i felt like His grumpy nature was a little one note, but that he was a cool character overall. But this series really stepped him up to like main character hero status. And that's kind of what he's all about in this series is being the hero and uh, being the one to take care of everybody else. He takes on that responsibility well, and he's kind of the heart of the series, I'd have to say. If there's a de facto main character of this iteration of the series, it's got to be Raphael. He's kind of at the center of it. Michelangelo is probably the character that they change the least. I do feel like previous Turtle series did a lot to spotlight Michelangelo's character, had him uh, using a lot more humor and comedy throughout the series. I feel like, if anything, Michelangelo might be the most shortchanged character in this series. He has the least to do, and he, you know, power set-wise, he kind of brings the least to the table. Now, he's always been kind of the smaller one and kind of the goofball of the group, but in this series, I feel like a bit of that charm of his personality is split in half and given to Leo, who is no longer the leader, so you're looking for more personality traits in other directions of him. And he has all this charisma and whatnot, but I do do feel like some, and we'll talk about Leo next, I do just feel like some of what they gave Leo to work with in this series that made Leo a great character did take away a little bit from Michelangelo. That being said, I did have a lot of fun with this character. Uh, He is the most trusting, good-willed person of the group possible, and uh, he was definitely a necessary ingredient to keep the show balanced, but I feel like he, as a character on his own, was able to carry the narrative kind of the least. Leo's character was definitely interesting in the series. I said before that Raphael had the biggest changes to his character, but Leo is definitely second place right behind him in terms of overall changes to his character. Leo's always kind of been the serious one. Like I said, he's always the de facto leader, and so it's always his purpose to kind of keep the group on task. Now that that role has shifted to Raphael, they needed to kind of embellish his character a little bit more. And he came out as probably the shining gem of the season. I do think that he, the the series gives so much of the funny lines and the charismatic lines to Leo. He is voiced by Ben Schwartz, so it's it's no question why his character feels so well realized in terms of the execution 
I do think voice acting and animation, the way they sync up with Leo's character just does have more swagger and motion to it than, than any other character does. So he's kind of the smooth talker in this season. He's a little mischievous and a little self-conceited, but overall he's shown as being very competent, and he is kind of uh, one of the more skilled members of the team. He he is somewhat of a main character, and from what I've seen of the movie, I haven't watched the movie yet. I plan on reviewing that next. I think that he gets more spotlight in there as well. But even though they've kind of downgraded his character in a sense in terms of not letting him be the leader anymore, I do feel like he came out still a great character and probably my most enjoyed character to watch on screen. Now, Donatello was a huge surprise to me this season. Not that they made huge changes to his character, but I was surprised how much I enjoyed his character. In seasons past, he's always been the brainiac, the genius of the team that's helping them in the tech department in one way or another. Of course, they turned that to an 11 in this series, really upgrading his science levels to pure science fiction level technology. He's like Iron Man times 10 realistically with all of his uh, uh, know-how and technology he has disposal to. But they really had fun with his character. I think that they gave the character a lot to do this series and gave him, you know, you got to see his silly side more. And I love all the running continuity that they had with Donatello. I love that he had his own set of enemies called the Purple Dragons that were actually the first enemies that you see in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. There, You see the turtles going up against a gang called the Purple Dragons. They reworked that group uh, in this series to be Donatello's main enemy. And I just had so much fun uh, with that. Um, his bot, Sheldon, he just has so much running continuity. And he's just a really funny character. You know, he's Booty Shaker 9000. You know, the fact that they referred to him as that multiple times throughout the series shows that the writers really did a lot to pour some personality into what was previously a bit of a one-note character. Realistically, that's one thing that the series does great, is just breathing so much life and individuality into each of the characters that they have this distinct personalities. Um, of course, their main attributes are consistent with what they were always introduced as, but this this level of personality with each Turtles is something I've never seen in the franchise before. That's one of the things that this series does great. As I mentioned before, at first, Splinter is, is presented as a complete slouch, unaware idiot. He... I'm not even con when I was first watching the series, I wasn't even convinced that Splinter had taught the turtles anything about being ninja ninjas. It seemed like he was less of a sensei and more of just a happenstance father who doesn't really know what's happening. Now, throughout the series, they do a lot to uh, give a lot more layers to the character. Uh, we eventually find out that he was previously Lu Jitsu, who uh, is introduced as the turtles' idol and. That mystery, once we see it unravel, uh, learning the situations of Splinter and how he became a rat, how the turtles became his son, uh, his children, uh, I thought that was really great. They they made that obvious to the audience at a certain point and then gave us some more time where the audience knew where not all the characters knew. So that was fun to get the extra layer to Splinter while still seeing him be a bit of a slouch. Uh, however, in season two, he steps up to main character status and not that they don't still play him for laughs and treat him as a ridiculous person. Uh, he carries the spirit of Splinter and, and all the competency that comes with that throughout season two. So they do get his character there. I think that the portrayal of Splinter at first did a lot to turn people off of this series. Feel like it was getting the Teen Titans Go effect onto this series. So uh, I don't know if I'm, if I'm super critical of it or not because the bait and switch that you get while watching it is pretty cathartic to see Splinter come into this character that you know and want him to be. 
I have to say at the end of season one and in multiple moments in season two, the animation that they treat Splinter's character to is some top top notch stuff. And I'm going to really hark on the animation of this series as well soon, because I think this is one of the most beautifully animated pieces of content that exists period right now. But as far as Shredder's, excuse me, as far as, as far as Splinter's character is concerned, he did have a lot of layers to him. I wish there was a bit more of a personal grudge between him and the Shredder that they present later on. But overall, he was good, if not a little bit lacking in the character department. April O'Neil, another huge surprise. It really feels like they took every character and just hit times 10 on those characters. Now, April O'Neil is a very different character from her original uh, predecessor. In this series, she's... A six, she's a teenager just like all the boys, and she is not a reporter like she has been depicted in the past. She also gets race-bent into a black girl, which at first is surprising just because April O'Neil has always been this white redhead girl, you know, wearing the jumpsuit, doing the reporting and everything. Um, this was just such a radically different uh, presentation of her that at first I wasn't sure where I stood on her character, but they, the way that they play with her character and include her a part of the main team, she is great. They definitely upgrade her physical capabilities to the point where she's basically as competent as all the boys are in terms of her ninja approach, especially after especially after she receives some training from Splinter as well. But she was a lot of fun. I Her character, I really fell in love with it, and I actually do feel like after this series, I feel like this is the quintessential April O'Neil. She's so proud, and she has so much more spunk and capability that I think, you know, looking back at those other iterations of her are just less interesting. So yeah, I love this version of April O'Neil. This is like the best April ever. <laughs> Barum Draxum is an interesting character that I don't recall in any other iterations of the Turtle series unless I really overlooked it. However, he is kind of the bait and switch bad guy of the series. In season one, he's really built up as our main antagonist and he's the person that we're facing off against in the climax of that season. He's trying to assemble Shredder's armor and therefore take all the abilities of Shredder and then, you know, rule the world or whatever. However, uh, he we find out later on that it was kind of just a trick to get the armor together. Shredder is a different entity that's summoned from a different world. It's this whole, you know, twist situation. But in season two, he they take him and turn him into like a redeemable character. And because he is the one responsible for the actions that led to the creations of the Turtles and therefore their whole family the turtles feel in some way indebted to him and treat him as family. I thought there was some interesting stuff there. It was certainly a complex conversation they were trying to have. I'm not a huge fan of our main villain becoming our, one of our main good guys. And I feel like he's done a, a lot of bad stuff that they kind of overlook and he doesn't really ever get his comeuppance for it. He just has to stop and then continue. Um, that being said, the character was certainly a compelling one as the villain, and I've had multiple compelling moments with him towards the end of season two in particular. So, like, they do land on their feet a little bit on this character, but it's such a wild set of circumstances for a character to introduce into a story and then choose to rope him in so intimately within the main plot. It was an interesting choice for sure, but it wasn't my favorite choice, if I'm going to be honest. There are a host of characters introduced in this series that serve as the extra mutants all around that the Turtles tend to interact with on a daily basis within New York City. And I had, I had fun with that structure, especially season one was really just introduce someone, get them infected by the ooze, they're a mutant, face off against that mutant. That, that structure was getting perhaps a little old, but then once they had a good ring of characters, they start to use those characters again. You get multiple episodes facing off against same characters that you see over and over again. 
they were in, they were entertaining enough. I will say in the villain department, there was a lot of humor there, some cool, unique abilities displayed. But overall, I don't know that they did that. You know, they didn't create any super trademark villain characters that I need to see again in the future, I guess you could say. They serve their purpose well, and there's even a few of them that they don't follow up with anymore. Uh, notably, the worm, Warren Stone, I believe his name is. He just got so much screen time in season one that it's really odd and it's just surprising to see that they they hardly use him at all in season two uh, for, for a character that felt so important for a while there. Uh, another character I thought was really interesting, I forget his name, he was the stock boy. He was a child genius and he was the antagonist of the Turtles for a few episodes and I feel like it would have been great to... He, some of his episodes were like the best episodes I've seen, honestly. He was like the best villain they had introduced, but then they just kind of stopped using him towards the end. It's annoying to see that when they do choose to bring back some villains that were more lacking in interest and entertainment level, honestly. But this show has fun creating villains and playing with the different characters that sometimes are the Turtles' friends and sometimes they're enemies. And playing with that was uh, certainly a sufficient vehicle to explore the Turtles and their abilities and the different aspects of the narrative. The way that they treated the Foot Clan in the series was pretty good. It was certainly a big departure from any time I've ever seen the Foot Clan depicted in the past. However, uh, it was interesting. I like how they upgraded them to essentially working out like a Foot Locker. Uh, that was a very funny like cover-up and way to breathe new life into the into the age-old tradition. The way that they kind of summoned Shredder and how he's this immortal thing that you can summon, I thought that was a great way to add into the lore of Shredder. It fits in nicely with him. I will say overall, the way that they treat Shredder, he doesn't have a personality on his own. And so even when we see the climactic battle at the end where they ultimately defeat him, it's just, it loses its catharsis so much. I feel like this is perhaps the weakest showing of Shredder shown in Turtles, not in terms of power scaling, but in terms of character. Shredder has always been this ominous ultimate villain threat, and he's always had such a stronger presence in other Turtle franchises than this one. I do. I don't hate the changes that they made to him, but overall, he just leaves not a very lasting impact. The animation on this series is is what really keeps me coming back. I'm even on its most mundane episodes. The animation is always sleek. There's always a lot going on with each of the characters, the movement, the 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 camera work. They're always doing something interesting on screen. So watching this series is always a treat. Just on a visual level, it really feels good to watch this series. Super sleek, super quick movements. There's always a lot going on. And the choreography for the fight sequences that happen are constantly inventive. They're, they're, they're so fresh. You're ne you'll never get tired of watching them. They're quick, but impressive all at the same time. This series really captures that really well. The movement and the action, it's just great. Even when it's not such impressive, sleek movements, they're still... Uh, the, charm on, the charm of the action in the series is just top-notch. I can't say it enough. <laughs> Particularly in big moments, there's a few moments each season, particularly in the finales, where they really decide to show off with the animation. And I found myself pausing and rewinding multiple times over just to really take in everything that's happening. Even in the intro alone of the series, I feel like the animation is so awesome. This is one series where I've never skipped the intro, not even once. The song is amazing. I love the song. And the animation is just such a treat to watch every single time. I, I can't say I've had this experience with another show wa watching their intro every single time, especially with how many episodes exist on this show. You're really watching a lot. 
that's one thing that's been present in every Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that their theme song is always awesome. To every single series, I've always really loved the theme song, and this one even might be my favorite. So uh, hats off in that regard, really. You know, there's not too much else to really touch on here, but I one thing that Bear is remarking is is the chemistry of the characters. They flesh out such a beautiful world of friendship and camaraderie, and I like that you can, you know, the combination of characters of the four boys and then April O'Neil and Splinter and even any host of any side characters, you can get any combination of any of those characters on screen together, and they're going to have chemistry. Like, they they have tried every character combination in this series possible, and it, it never fails to have charm and to feel fun. Uh, there is a strong focus on family in the series, as there has been in other Turtle iterations as well. This one really seems to push that narrative stronger than any other. One thing, one interesting, consistent beat with all the Turtle characters is that they're desperate for parental confirmation and validation. Every time that Splinter even comes close to saying that he's proud of the boys, you immediately see them uh, hungering for that, for that approval so bad. Because their lives are so weird and they do admire living in the human world and they are teenagers, there's such a uh, such a lacking in them for for family and connection. And that's why they welcome other people in so much. That's why they welcome April in. And that's why they're able to forgive all the villains around them is because they are desperate for that connection. That's just an interesting layer to the turtles I've never really seen shown. And it seems very intentional on this series because they really do not let you forget that the turtles are desperate for that connection later on we get a spiritual version of their great 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 grandmother and even as briefly as she's on screen they are doing everything in their power to connect with her um so it's it's a sweet aspect of it for sure but i feel like it's an interesting layer that someone smarter than me should probably analyze and explain a little better than i'm doing right now but it is a very present aspect of these characters not every joke worked in this series for me, especially in the first run of ep- episodes. I do kind of feel like some of the humor was aged down a little bit, but overall I found myself laughing so many times in this series, especially as the show went on and continued to find its comedic voice. I, I found myself laughing every episode and just being so charmed by these characters. I know that I'm a big Turtles fan, so I'm probably easy to impress here, but Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a great series for me. I do want to touch on a few scenes of the very final episode because they really tied together so many great aspects. We see the turtles, you know, they've been using these mystic weapons throughout the entire series that gives them major upgrades. Leo can teleport. Uh, Michelangelo has these, I don't even know what the weapon's called, but it's like a chain grabber fire starter weapon. Super crazy. And Raphael can project himself, you know, five times his size (laughs) and basically be upgraded in strength. These are major upgrades to the Turtles, and Donatello has his technology upgrades, right? But they all lose their weapons in this final battle, in this final battle. And so you see them revert back to their classic weapons, you know? It was cool to see how they upgraded their weapons in this modernized series, but seeing them return to their classic weapons and then infuse their own mystical powers into them to still get some new, uh, stronger impact was really great. Uh, I feel like that was such a great way to land on their feet and really set in stone just how much this is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story and how much it respects the continuity and lore. The amount of references that this series has to the previous series, I mean, you can hear them every other episode. It it is really constantly happening. There's even a tease in the final scene uh, where Splinter says, oh, by the way, Blue, you're the leader now. 
uh, implying that in any future iterations with Turtles, we're going to start seeing a uh, stronger focus at that, that balance between Leonardo and Raphael and who should be the leader. Seems like the series has really set up that Raphael is a great leader. Uh, <laughs> even though Leo has displayed some leader-type qualities, uh, they've done a lot to convince us that Raphael is a great leader. So it'd be very interesting to see in the movie or hopefully in another season of the series uh, them play with that a little bit more. I'm very interested in what that looks like. And then they they ended up giving us Casey Jones in the end. We have had this Foot Clan recruit character in in the series throughout throughout, and she's always been interesting. She's basically the flip side of the turtles. She's fiercely loyal to her side, and she's found a family within the Foot Clan, so she fiercely fights for them. She's even the reason why Shredder comes in the final act as the main villain. But in her final moments, she turns to the good side and starts helping out the good guys. She, her moral compass is finally pointed in the right direction. It's at this point that she lets us know that her name is Cassandra Jones and that her friends call her Casey. So this is our Casey Jones, something that's been looming over any Turtle fan th- throughout this series of how, where is this character? Every Everybody is here except for Casey Jones and Rocksteady and Bebop. They are not in the series, but uh, having her uh, come out as a Casey Jones, I like that they gave us a punchline to that question, where is Casey Jones? That being said, as as a you know, successor to the Casey Jones character, definitely feel lacking. I would have liked a more traditional version of Casey Jones that was more present with the Turtles throughout the series, but the punchline of her being Casey Jones all along was hilarious and definitely a great moment to whip out on us in the final moments. Again, if we had any future iterations of the series, I'm positive that they would upgrade her to being part of the main gang. There are a few aspects of Turtles of the Turtles lore in the series where they introduce a character and then really don't involve them ever again. There's multiple characters that are supposed to be spending time within the Turtles the Turtles lair that we just don't even hear about ever again. I'm over I'm willing to overlook that because the series on paper is a much more episodic storytelling even though they do hit overall narrative beats because it's a little bit more zany and cartoony in that way i'm over i'm able to overlook it just a little bit but you know what i think that's going to bring my conversation to a close for now again i do plan on watching the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie next and so i plan on reviewing that right away as well so if i missed anything in this conversation i'll be sure to bring it up in that review as well but again if you are a fan of the teenage mutant ninja turtles to any capacity you really have to check the series out. I think it is the best series, and especially it rewards the fans. If you've seen the previous seasons, or excuse me, the previous series, you're going to enjoy this because of all the references. It's it's specifically made with the knowledge in mind that you are familiar with these characters. This series was great. It, it had me laughing, it had me crying, and it had me cheering all the way through. It's amazing to look at and just a wild ride. So yeah, if you haven't already, give The Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a chance. It is great. Also, recommendation. The Last Ronin comic book series is a, it's a dark futuristic telling of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It follows the last one of them who is alive, and he's still fighting the war against Shredder and his army. Let's just say that. I won't spoil who he is. It was actually written by the original creator, so this is this can be looked at as the definitive ending to the turtle series it's very dark it's very awesome and it's proper turtle telling but yep that's going to bring this conversation to a close thank you so much for listening to this i would appreciate any feedback you have you can hit me up on instagram at the darius show tiktok by the same name or email me with any feedback i'd love to hear from you 
what should I review next? That is the D show pod at gmail.com. That's T H E D S H O W P O D at gmail.com. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. And if you made it this far, thank you very much. I love you. Turtle power.